I titled today's message, I Didn't Ask For This. I didn't ask for this. And so you should have gotten some notes uh, when you walked in. If you got some notes, wave them at me. If you're online, we'll put these notes up on the screen for you so you can kind of follow along and encourage you to, to follow along. I also want to just let you know, first off, they're three-hole punched, if you didn't know that. Uh, they're three-hole punched because we have binders in the back uh, at our guest, guest services that are free. Just go grab a binder. It's absolutely free. Just go back there. They'll give them to you um, until we run out. So that's for all of your notes that are there. The second thing is we keep all of the notes from previous messages at Guest Central as well. So if you did not, if you missed a Sunday and uh, you're just one of those like, I like to keep all my notes together, even messages that I missed. You can go back and find previous messages as well. But um, today, uh, I'm, I'm calling this, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. How many of you, just by a show of hands in here, how many of you have said this before? I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. Uh, you can look at anything in your life for the most part and probably uh, come to some conclusion at some part that I didn't ask for what I'm walking through now. I didn't ask for what came my way. I didn't ask for any of this. And usually people who say, I didn't ask for this, are usually people who are being stretched. Stretched. Now, let me ask a second question. How many in here feel like you're being stretched right now? Like you're, you're, you're stretching. You're stretching in different places in different ways. Yeah, we're all stretching. Um, I, I want to introduce you to something, uh, a tool that has been a form of a bit of a torture tool um, I've, I've had in my life, Lindsay uses it, and uh, when we go to the gym, we used it. If you've ever been to a gym, you probably use something like this, and I'm not talking about a dumbbell, and I'm not talking about, you know, any kind of weight. So if you've ever seen this, uh, this is more painful than you can even actually imagine. So this is a, a bit of a, of a resistance band, okay? And there's all different types of resistance bands, but uh, this is designed to make you look ripped, okay? This is it, this is what it does. All trim, lean, and mean, this is, this is what this little thing contraption does. And you wouldn't think by any regards that this is that big of a deal. But I'm gonna tell you right now, this is a big deal. Uh, if you use this, and so the way that this one works, this works in a couple different ways, okay? You get your, come on, get your muscles on right now. Look at, you just, can y'all feel the burn, all right? You do that. Listen, if you just do this a couple times, you're like, ah, it's not a big deal. You do this about 20, 30 times, listen, you're going to find out you got muscles you didn't know you had. The next day, listen, if you wrap this around your leg and do the, I don't know if you've ever had a resistance band where you do it around your leg like that right there, okay? That little inner thigh. Remember that? Okay, all right. So it hurts. It hurts a lot. Um, these, these are designed to give resistance to you, to, to your muscles. They have different variations of resistance bands. This one's kind of a, a lighter resistance band, but there's other resistance bands that are much, much harder. The more resistance, the stronger you get. The more resistance, the stronger you get. Everybody wants the stronger, nobody wants the resistance. Everybody wants the stronger, nobody wants the stretch. Y'all just waiting for this thing to pop in my face, I know, aren't y'all? I told the guys I was going to do this on the ground, that thing was going to come right up on me, and then I was going to have a bloody nose. But there are different levels of bands of resistance, and um, when we think about this idea that I didn't ask for this, it's usually revolved around something that's going on in our life that is stretching us beyond our capacity. Now, we can be stretching in many different ways. Some of you are stretching right now because you're walking through uninvited pain, meaning that you didn't ask for it in this regards. 
Maybe it was a divorce you didn't ask for. Maybe it was a, a, um, a diagnosis that you didn't ask for. Maybe it was a child you didn't ask for. <laughs> Maybe it was a job or a boss you didn't ask for. Maybe there was uh, some debt or some things that happened. Maybe it's something that's going on at work that you didn't ask for, and you're, you're in a kind of an uninvited pain. It's stretching you in serious ways right now, and, and you're going, God, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. Some of you are going through a stretching right now and facing resistance because it's not uninvited pain, it's growing pains. Hey, do you know that sometimes you're going through uh, resistance and it's because actually all your prayers are getting answered? Like you got the job you wanted and now you got the promotion you wanted, but you didn't realize that in the job and the promotion came also some stretching. You didn't realize that when God began to bless you, there was going to come some stretch. Some of you are in seasons right now. God's got you in a place and you don't feel qualified to do it, but it's actually right where God wants you to be. God's got you in the right place. So not all stretching is bad stretching by any regards, and not all pain is bad pain. I mean, oh, sometimes you feel pain and stretching even in the blessing. God is blessing you in incredible ways right now, and you feel it. You feel like, I've never done this before. Any of y'all been in a position where you, you know where you're, God's calling you to be, and you're in God's will, but you're doing something you've never done before, and God's stretching you, God's calling you to lead a life group? You're like, I've never led people before. And guess what? Stretch. Stretch, stretch. Some of you are giving financially for the first time. Stretch. How are we going to do this? How are we going to make it? This is all of us in the room are in some way or some form getting stretched in our life. We're having some resistance. But um, how many in here would say you believe in miracles? Raise your hand. Okay. Put your hands down. How many of you in here need a miracle? Raise your hand. Anybody in here? Need a miracle in your life? Okay, watch this, watch this. The only thing that necessitates a miracle is a problem. You don't get a miracle without a problem. So watch this. So we need to make sure we're not praying for miracles, but we don't realize that we're also praying for problems. Because if you're going to get the miracle, the problem is usually going to be there as well. That's a prerequisite there. And by the way, the bigger the obstacle, the bigger the opportunity for the stretch, the bigger opportunity for the miracle, the bigger the opportunity of what God's doing on the inside of you. Listen, God's doing something in you, to you, through you. He's stretching. So today, I want us to look at a story in the Old Testament. I don't know if I've ever preached this story before, but in my one-year Bible reading plan, I've been reading through the Old Testament along with the New Testament, and uh, this, this story specifically jumped out to me, and it's in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. Now, I'm going to just go ahead and let you know right now, if you have not read your Bible at all this week, you're going to read enough today for the whole week. <laughs> We're going from verse 8 so I think almost 34. We're going to read a lot today. So, um, so buckle up. I wouldn't do this on Easter, but it's after Easter. We're ready to go. Okay. Y'all are all mature. You can handle God's word because you love God's word so much. You want to say, feed me. Okay. All right. So are y'all ready for God's word today? We're going we're gonna to go through this story, and I'm going to stop it all throughout the story. We're going to unpack different things in the story. You're going to look at a couple people in this story that could probably say, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. 
And yet, I want you to see what God does in the middle of it. So let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we are, we're, we're ready to hear your word. I thank you that your word is alive and active and sharper than, than any two-edged sword, that it cuts to the motives of our hearts. And so, Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do? God, I pray, Lord, that I get out of the way and whatever you want to say would go forth and that your word would be tailored to every single person in this room and online, that they know that you are speaking to them. Lord, we love you. God, we give you all the praise and the glory and thank you for this beautiful weather in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, it says this, one day, Elisha, let me just stop there real quick. Many of you maybe know Elijah, prophet. This is his protege, Elisha, uh, his mentor. Uh, Elijah was his mentor. It says, Elisha went to the town of Shunem, uh, Shunem, and a wealthy woman lived there. And she urged him to come to her home for a meal. And after that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. Okay? Elisha is a prophet. He is a man of God. He would come and pass through that town often, and this wealthy woman would see him constantly passing through the town. And one day, she just strikes up an idea. Here's the simple idea. I would love to have prophet, pastor, teacher to come over to our house. Man, what a joy that would be. This is a very wealthy woman. We see that in the scripture. And she just sends a text message invite. Hey, <laughs> prophet E, um, would love to have you over for some for some, for, for some dinner, uh, would you like to come? And sure enough, he did. He does come. And we see this moment where he gets into their house. We're going to get a little bit more of the story in just a minute. But I want to start today with one big observation. We're going to look at a couple different observations of this story. And I want you to write this first thought down, and that is this. Never underestimate the power of an invitation. Never underestimate the power of an invitation. She doesn't know it yet, but this one invitation will change her life for the rest of, for forever. This one invitation will change her life forever. Never underestimate the power of an invitation. Hey, th think about this. What is it that turns a, 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 a familiar face to being a faithful friend? It's an invitation. Think of it. What, what is the difference between uh, a good business idea to becoming a business partner? It's an invitation. What, what's the difference between, whoo, that girl is hot, to that girl is mine? What's the difference? An invitation. Come on, come on, somebody. You got to actually go ask her out, okay? All right? All right. What, what, what is it that takes uh, the, the disciples going from fishermen to being disciples and apostles? An invitation. If you look all throughout Scripture, you see this. These are things that are invitations, uh, you, you've, got to, you've got to invite. And there's, uh, there's some power that happens in an invitation. And oftentimes you don't know where this leads, you just know, man, I just feel like I need to invite. Some of you did that last weekend for Easter, like you went and you just started just inviting, you invited people to church because you just knew if I could just get them here, God would do something. There's something about the power of an invitation. 
uh, Christy, our campus admin, was telling me the other day, uh, just like a couple weeks before our egg drop, she was like, hey, I wanted to let you know that uh, we've got a celebrity coming to the egg drop. I'm like, what are you talking about? We got a celebrity that's coming to the egg drop. She said, yeah, Dustin and I were brainstorming on people who we can invite and, uh, and different food trucks that we could get. And we, there's this lady that lives in Lake Charles, and she was on a Netflix show called Is This Cake? <clears throat> I don't know if any of y'all seen this. It's called Is This Cake? Uh, they, it's a show of bakers who bake things and they make it look like the actual object and they put two objects right next to each other and you got to decide which one's actually cake. This lady was on it. Her name is Nina something. Um, what is it? Nina P. Nina P. And so Christy was like, so I just sent her a Facebook message and just said, hey, we're having the egg drop. Would you want to come? And you know what Nina P said? Yes. And she was there at the egg drop. And, uh, and it was so cool. She, she came. She brought, her, she brought her food truck and everything. You can go watch that show and go see her. So we had this celebrity here. But guess what? Nina P. ain't showing up to the egg drop unless there's an invitation. An invitation. An invitation. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, I guarantee you Nina P. wouldn't be there if there was no invitation. Right. Watch this. Watch this. So what does it look like for us as people of God? Here, here's my question. When is the last time God's visited your house? Could it be? that maybe there just hasn't been an invitation. I mean, no, every, every Sunday we, we come and we gather here, we have a whole entire team of intercessors that are over there just asking the Lord to come and visit us in a powerful way right here in this place. You know what that is? It's an invitation. You know what? God is a God who is a gentleman, and he never goes anywhere unless he is invited, invited. It's just like me. I'm not, as your pastor, I'm probably not going to pull up to your house and just knock on your house and go, what's for dinner? <laughs> I need, yeah, so anytime, y'all just let me know. I will come. Um, so there's something so powerful about being invited. So I want to ask this, and this is just super practical here, though. But when is the last time you've invited someone to your house? When is the last time you've invited someone to your dinner table? When is, when is the last time you've invited someone to church? When is the last time you've invited someone into your life because you don't realize the power of an invitation? Well, go, well, what happens if I get rejected? By the way, it's not a what will. It will. You will be rejected. But you never know that at some point someone might just say yes. And that one yes. Come on, how many of you in here are in this church because somebody invited you to this church? I want you to raise your hand all across this room. Look at this. If you're online and you got invited, listen, you are invited to this room right here. I just want you to know you're invited to our Savior's church. All right, watch what happens. Okay, all right, this is like my prequel. I got to get going. Okay, so we have 30 other verses to do. All right, so next verse says, so she said to her husband, okay, so he's been coming, okay? And by the way, we know that she's a good cook. She cooked for him. And the reason we know she's a good cook, he kept coming back. <laughs> Come on, how many of you know? They ain't that the truth. You go over to somebody's house and like, I'll cook for you. And they cook and it ain't good. You just be like, be blessed. And then you ain't going back. How many you know? Every time they invite you over, they're like, I'm kind of busy. You know, I'm just got stuff going on. Okay, so if they keep coming back, you, you probably could cook. This guy, Elisha just kept, keeps coming back. He keeps coming back, keeps coming back. And so, so she says to her husband, we got to do something. I mean, like he's coming often. Like he's coming like three times a week. I mean, I'm like cooking all the time for him. And so she comes up with this idea. I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. 
Now realize this, even before she even made the invite, she wasn't even sure. But because now he's been coming, she's like, she realizes, watch this, that this isn't just something that's just a meal, this is a moment. And by the way, you've gotta have eyes to see that sometimes when you're in interactions with people, this isn't just a regular meal, there's a moment happening here. And she comes up with an idea, let's, let's do this, all right? She's a, little, she's a little extreme, okay? I don't know anybody that probably has done this, but this guy's coming over so often. Let's build him a small room on the roof and furnish it. Get to Ikea, okay? Get him a bed, get him a table, get him a chair, get him a lamp. Let's, let's, let's get him here. And then look, and then he will have a place to stay Whenever he comes by, I'm so tired of him coming over for dinner. We staying up late talking all the time, and then I got to tell him to go. Like, let's build him a, let's build him a room. Let's, let's get a room for him, and let's build this room for him. This is the first Airbnb in the Bible, all right? <laughs> this is it. It's the first one, all right, for the holy man of God, Airbnb. And she gets this revelation, which leads to, to point number two. And that is that nothing attracts God like faith in action. Nothing attracts God like faith in action. Yeah, I mean, definitely he was invited, but he kept coming back, and I think it was more than just the meal. I think she created this place for him to inhabit. She had created this place for him to be there, and there's nothing that attracts God more than people who have faith, not just in word, but people who have faith in action. Notice she didn't get a sign. Notice Jesus didn't show up. Notice he never even asked. She just got an idea, and she says, I'm gonna try something, and just maybe this might be a great idea. And so, come on, if this wasn't a small task. She built an entire room for this man. She took some initiative, and how many of you know, it, you don't always have to pray about everything. There are just some things that God wants you to do and you don't need to pray about it. Like if there's just something that puts on your heart, like I need to pay for the meal behind me, you don't need to pray about it, just do it. Like how many know you don't need to pray about being generous? You don't need to pray about being loving. You don't need to pray about being hospitable. You don't need to, be pray, you don't need to pray about being selfless for other people. You don't need to pray about those things, okay? She just had an idea. She didn't go to her husband and go, hey, can we pray about this for a week? She said, hey, I need you to go to Stein right now and we're gonna build a house. Notice the husband didn't even say anything. I mean, she, she was pretty forceful. And so he goes and she does it. There are some things that are in our life that are that way. And so can you imagine, they build this, they build this upper room. It really is, they call it an upper room. They build this upper room for, for Elisha. And can you imagine the next time he comes over for a meal? What you cooking today? Crawfish etouffee? Okay, probably not, but that's my version, all right? And they, they enjoy the meal, and they're about to go home, and she's like, hey, I got a surprise. What do you got? I need to go. I got I to go, go find me a place to stay. And he's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. And so she's like, come follow me. And she leads him up the stairs, and she's like, okay, close your eyes, close your eyes. Okay, I know you're a prophet, but close your eyes anyways, okay? So. <laughs> All right, ready? One, two, three, open your eyes. And he's like, wow, what is this? And she's like, it's your room. <laughs> and he goes, but I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. I know you didn't ask it but I wanted to do it for you. Like you've blessed us. We're so glad to have you here in our house. 
you're going around and traveling everywhere and you're being a blessing, you're doing God's work. Man, we just wanted to be a blessing to you. Like, this is your room. Anytime you're in Shunem, come. This is your room. Here's the key. It's all yours. Anytime you want. This is your place. And I want you to see what happens because, watch this, it took a, a, an act of faith for her to do that. Because some people say they want to love God with their words, but they never do anything for people. They're never blessings. They, they say all these things about God, but they're never generous. They're never giving. And this woman put her faith in actual action. And when that happens, it attracts God's favor. It attracts God's presence. And watch this. When you do things that are this way, that are, are acts of faith, that are moments of faith, watch this. God always responds. Because God's going to begin through Elisha because she made a space for him. He wants to repay the favor. So look with me in verse 11 now. Verse 11 says, so one day Elisha returned to Shunem, okay? <clears throat> so he had gone and now he's come back. And guess where he went? He went to his room. He went up into the upper room to rest. He's exhausted. And so he says to his servant Gehazi, hey, you know what? Tell the woman from Shunem, I, I want to speak to her. When she appeared, go to the next verse, Elisha said to Gehazi, hey, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you've shown us. What can we do for you? What can we do for you? Now, look at the next verse. It says, can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? She says, no, 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 no. She says, you know what, no, no, I, I, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm really good. Like my family takes care of me. We're, we're fine. Every, everything is good. We're, we're, we're all good. Now watch what the next verse says. So later, later Elisha just asked Gehazi, his, his servant, he says, hey, hey, what, what can we do for her? How many know when people are like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. How many know you try to go behind their back and bless them anyways? How many of y'all know like that? Well, we're going to figure this out, this stubborn woman. Okay, we're going to make sure. We're going to figure out a way to bless this woman. And so he goes to Gehazi. He's like, you've been around her. What have you noticed that she needs? She doesn't have a son. <laughs> and her husband's old. <laughs> I mean, no, he's pretty perceptive there. Okay, he's an old man. They don't have a son. I think that's a problem. I think that's a problem. And so that's where we get right here. So notice, Elisha asks her, what can we do for you? She says, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. And watch this, watch this. Why does she say, I'm good? I think she says, I'm good for the same reasons we say. No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. When she really knew she wasn't good because she's always longed to have a son, but how many of you know when you've prayed for something so long and you don't get it, you don't want to ask for it again? So you know what? I'm good. I'm content. I'm fine. Undoubtedly, it's not the Lord's will. I'm going to let it lie. It's perfectly fine. And I wonder how many of you in here have stopped believing for something because it almost hurts too much to believe again. Maybe for a lost family member, or maybe for some resources, or maybe for a relationship to be restored, or maybe for, I don't know what it is, 
but something where God's like, hey, what can I do for you? And man, if you could ask him and you knew he would say yes to it, you would ask for that. But because you're not quite sure, you just go, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm, I'm good, all good, all good, all good. And so here we are in this moment. She's, she's content, she's comfortable. But I love Elisha because he doesn't quit. So he tells Gehazi, hey, hey. <clears throat> or Gehazi tells him, no, she's not good. <laughs> I don't care what her Instagram shows, she ain't good. She don't got no kid. And her husband old. And so verse 15 says, all right, call her back again. We're going to ask her again. So Elisha tells him, and when the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, okay, so, so, so now she's in the doorway, <clears throat> what, what, what do you need, Elisha? I told you I'm good. And he says, hey, next year at this time, you're going to be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cries. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. No, 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 don't, 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 don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Notice she didn't respond with praise. Hallelujah. She pushes it away. No, 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 no. Don't, don't you dare do that to me. I've gotten my hopes up before. And I know where this path leads. No, no, don't, don't you dare do that to me. And he said, no, no, he didn't, notice he didn't say, hey, next time this year, you're going to be pregnant. Because pregnancy doesn't mean that you're going to have a baby always. He says, no, 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 this time next year, you're going to have a baby. You're going to be holding a son in your hands. Now watch this, watch this. He didn't ask for her bed, and she didn't ask for a baby. But God gave both of it. I didn't ask for this. Yeah, but I just wanted to be generous and I wanted to hook you up with a room. And she goes, well, I didn't ask for this. And he goes, yeah, I know that, but I want to bless you with the son. I want to bless you with the son. And here we are in two scenarios where both people really didn't ask for things, but yet God provided for them. And I want you to see what happens because this is where the story gets really good and really rough. Because some of you are in places right now and you, you have stopped asking for it. You did ask for it for one time, but you haven't gotten what you wanted. And so therefore now you're like, ah, okay, I'm just, I'm going to lay it off. And now God's reviving something there and saying, no, 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 I believe this is a word from the Lord for you. And look what verse 17 says, okay? So she didn't ask for it, but sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a... She had a son, just as Elisha had said. This was a word from the Lord. She did have a son. All right. One day when her child was older, okay, now we're fast forwarding. Okay. So I don't know how many years have now passed, but we've got a good bit of years have now passed. He's now older. He went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. So he's out in the field. He's on the job site with his daddy. I'm sure maybe teenage years or so. We're not sure. Just old enough to go out, out there and work with his dad. And suddenly, this is the only verse that we hear of the son. It's the only thing he says in this whole story. My head hurts. My head hurts. His father said to him, like every great father says to their son, go to your mama. <laughs> go, go see your mama. Go see your mama. Go see your mama. And he gets to the house, and he goes to see his mother. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap. And that time, around noontime, he dies. He dies. 
So now think about just a couple of verses before where she said, no, 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 don't deceive me and don't get my hopes up. And here we are, God got the, her hopes up. She had a son, years progressed, go down the line, and now the son dies. This isn't just a disappointment, this is devastation. Hey, you know there's a difference between disappointment and devastation though, right? Watch this, disappointment is I hope for something and I never got it. Devastation is I hope for something, I got it, and then I lost it. And here we are, a woman that is absolutely, incredibly devastated, and she's holding her dead son in her hands, and I can only imagine she's saying, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. God, you gave this to me. God, you did this. God, I did not ask for this. And I think some of you in here can feel what this woman is feeling because you probably have gone through or maybe going through something right now where you go, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for that call from the doctor. I didn't ask for those divorce papers. I didn't ask for that wayward child. I didn't ask for that bankruptcy. I didn't ask for that friend to betray me. I didn't ask for this stuff. God, I thought I was doing what you wanted me to do. I felt like I was following you all the days of my life. I didn't ask for this. And yet here we are in a moment where God promised something and then it seems like God took it away. Why in the world would God give me something and then take it away? Why would God give me the job and then I lost my job? Why would God give me that friendship and then I lost the friendship? Why would God give me this spouse and then I lost the spouse? Why would God give me this money and then I've lost all this money? It does not make any sense. And I want you to notice what she does, says that she, in that moment, does something that is, I think, powerful because this leads to my third point, which is it's possible to live with devastation and hope at the same time. It's possible to live with devastation, I didn't ask for this, and hope, I believe God in this, at the same time. Now, I'm not saying it's easy but it is possible because you're gonna see what this woman does. Watch what this woman does. So she's got her dead son in his hand and look, look what she says. She carries him up and she lays him on the bed of the man of God. She goes and brings it back up to the bed. Husband's too old to carry the son. Husband's not even in the picture. It's all about this woman. She goes and she takes this, 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 this son of hers and she lays him on the bed of the man of God and she shuts the door and she leaves him there. Watch this. She takes her devastation and she takes, takes her disappointment and she brings it back to the place where the promise was made. Because that's exactly where the promise was made. Right there in that doorway when he said, you're gonna have a son. And so she goes, I'm gonna go bring it right back to where it said. So he, she brings it right back to there and watch what happens in verse 21. She carried him and she laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there in that place. Look at the next verse, verse 22. And she sent a message to her husband. So her husband didn't even come in. He thought he just had a headache. He went, hey, go see your mama. She got some Tylenol for you. Not realizing that his son has died Mom took him up to the bed. She sends a message to him out in the harvest field and says, hey, listen, send one of the servants and a donkey that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. She didn't even tell him. 
She didn't even say like, our son has died. She says, hey, go get a donkey. I need to go find the man of God. Because guess what? This is, how many of you remember, uh, did any of y'all's parents uh, say this to you? This one big question to you? If you had siblings and you ever had fighting with your siblings, uh, I, I do this with my boys all the time. I walk into the room, they're fighting. First question I always ask is, who started it? Y'all ever had a parent ask you that? Who started this? Who started it? That's where I want to go. So this is what this woman is doing right now. She's going, I've got to get to the one who started this. He started this. I've got to get to the one who started this. Notice this. Notice. She does not ask her husband to fix the issue because she realizes her husband doesn't have the power to fix it. Which leads to point number four. Don't expect from people what can only come from God. We are asking people to fix issues that only God can fix. She knows God is the only one who can fix this issue. She knows God's the one who started this. If God's the one who started it, God's the one who can fix it. So I don't need to go talk to people or Facebook about this issue because they can't fix it. I'm gonna go to God for it because God can do something that I can't do, he can't do, and we're putting expectations on people to do for us what only God can do for us. So we have this moment. She's devastated. She's distraught, but she's also determined because yes, she's got devastation, but she's also got hope living on the inside. She's got this small little ounce of hope that says, you know what, if he started this, maybe, maybe he can do something about this. And so verse 25 says this, look, it says, and as she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, so she is running on this, not running, she's on this donkey. The Bible says she did not let the donkey give up. Come on, y'all ever seen a woman on mission? She's like, I'm going. She's getting it. Okay, getting it. And as she's coming up over the hill and she's getting into the city, she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel and Elisha sees her in the distance. So he says to his, his servant, hey, look, it's the woman from Shunem. Come on, that's our girl. Remember that one that can cook? There she is. She got the house for us and all. There she is, she's coming. Hey, this is what I want you to go find out. Look, run out to meet her and ask her this question. Hey, is everything all right with, with you, with your husband, and with your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi. <laughs> Are y'all as confused as I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all good. Everything's, everything's, everything's fine. Everything's fine. She ain't fine. She's not right. Her son's dead. Her husband's old. I mean, she ain't fine. If there's anything, she's furthest from fine. Everything is wrong. So here's the question. Why did she lie? Because maybe she knew, I don't need to talk about my problems with somebody who doesn't have the power to solve them. Can I say that one more time? I'll say it for the back. Okay, no, for the online. I'll say it for y'all, okay. Maybe she knew that I need to not talk to the problem, uh, talk about my problems to somebody who doesn't have the power to change them, to solve them, to fix them. We've got to quit processing with people who are powerless to fix it. And so she knows, Gehazi, I love you. You cool dude, you welcome to my house anytime. 
I need, I need to see the main man. I need to see the main man here. So God's just like, hey, everything okay? You good? You kid good? You good? Yeah, yeah, we good. We fine. We fine. We fine. We fine. We fine. Now watch what's about to happen. She about to get to the main man. Tone gonna change. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and she caught a hold of his feet. She grabs on to his feet. So you can imagine, she, she, she went right past Gehazi. She goes, where, where, where's Elisha at? I need to go see Elisha. She goes, gets to Elisha, and as soon as Elisha opens the door, hey, what's up, woman of God? She falls at her, his feet, grabs his feet. Now Gehazi's coming up from the back. So Gehazi, watch the next verse. So Gehazi begins to push her away. Oh, you ain't taking out my man of God. I mean, that's, that's my guy. He's like security. He didn't do his job, okay? And here she is. She's at his feet, and she's holding on and holding on and holding on. But the man of God says, whoa, 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 leave her alone, leave her alone, leave her alone. She's deeply troubled. No, really? Watch this. But the Lord hasn't told me what it is. You a prophet. I thought the Lord speaks to you all the time. God didn't even tell him what was going on. And so she begins to share with him. Watch, watch this right here. <clears throat> She goes to him, pushes him away. The Lord hasn't told me. Verse 28, and then she said, here we go. Did I ask for this? Did I ask for this son? And didn't I say? You can imagine that, that hand and that neck is moving. Did I not tell you that this was going to happen? You have deceived me. I told you. You got my hopes up. This is where I'm at. I didn't ask for this. Like, I just asked you to come eat crawfish at Tuffet. That's all I asked. And I just asked for you to come and stay at my house. And you've ruined my life. I didn't want to get my hopes up. I didn't ask for this. You did this. You started this. I told you it in like this. I told you this was gonna happen. Every time I try this, it fails. Every time I start, I stumble. Any of y'all ever felt like that? But I want you to hear me closely because just because you didn't ask for it doesn't mean you can't handle it. <laughs> just because you didn't ask for it doesn't mean that God doesn't know that you can handle it. Listen, you just have to know who you've got to go to to handle it. The problem is you're mishandling situations because you're going to the wrong people. But devastation and hope can live in the same home when I understand who I can go to and I understand that God, even though he will give me more than I can handle, he can handle more than I can know. He can handle more than I can handle. He can do things that I can't do. And we find that in this story with this woman. She's going to him going, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. And look at verse 29 says, so then Elisha says to Gehazi, here we go. Hey, get ready to travel. All right, saddle up. Here's what I want you to do. Gehazi, I want you to take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Speed, go quick. You can break all the speed limits. Get there right now. And this is what I want you to do. You're gonna take my staff and you're gonna put it on the child's face. Okay? 
But verse 30 goes, okay, so, so imagine, okay, I got it, I got it. Take the staff, go fast, face. Staff, face, got it, okay, go. So the boy's mother, he takes off, pew. Boy's mother says this, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I ain't going home unless you go with me. So listen, you started this, you did this, you got me now. I ain't going anywhere. If, listen, I love Gehazi. He good. Love the dude. But you my problem. And I ain't going home until you fix this problem. So Elisha, <laughs> so Elisha did. Okay, so he returned with her. Which leads to number five. And that is when you don't know, cling to what you do know. Listen, this woman didn't know what would happen with her son. She, all she knew that her son was dead. She didn't know if there'd be a miracle that would be performed. She didn't know if that was just going to be the state of what was going to go on. She didn't know anything. But what she did know was that the one person that she knew that could fix this whole thing, she wasn't letting him go. She wasn't letting him go. Can I tell you how you know you're growing and maturing in your relationship with Jesus? is when you're willing to bring your devastations to him. And you just keep bringing it before him. God, I don't get this. God, I didn't ask for this. God, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I just know this, God, you know, and you can handle this, and you're big enough. So God, I just trust you, and I'm just holding on to you. I don't have all the answers, but you do. I don't have the ability to fix this, but you do. I don't know how I'm going to get through the day, but I know if I hang on to you, I can make it. Come on, is anybody in here just glad that Jesus is something we can just hold on to? He is our constant hope in ever-present time of need. Some of us are so hopeless. Watch this. We're so hopeless because we've let go of hope. And hope is not something that we put our imagination into. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Hope has a name. Watch this. Peace has a name. He is the prince of peace. When you have lost your peace, it's because you've lost hold of Jesus. Come on, how many know the only way you lose hope is if you lose Jesus. If you hold on to Jesus, you hold on to hope, you hold on to peace, you hold on to security. You hold on to all the things that you need in this life to get through the hard, hellish days of this life. Just hold on to Jesus. And she says, I don't know if you like having me around your leg, but you ain't leaving. I'm on you like white on rice. And so he realizes like, uh, I guess the staff ain't gonna be good enough. I probably need to go back. So he returns to her back. And look what happens in verse 31. We're almost done here. Verse 31 says, so, so, so Gehazi heard ahead and he laid on the staff, the staff on the child's face. Here we go. Let's go. Blam. <laughs> I don't know if it was like that or if it was like a this. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, how do you know? Like if he's dead, I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna wake up with a bruise, but you're getting up. <laughs> Nothing happened. 
Question, I'm just asking the question. I can only insert myself into these stories. I don't know if this is the case. How many times do you think he, t- he touched his face? Come on, let's be honest. You know that first time he's like, doop, mm, maybe not. Doop, mm, maybe not. Doop, doop. <laughs> Come on, he said this would work. There was no sign of life. So he returns to meet Elisha. Hey, he's still dead. <laughs> I don't know what I did here wrong, okay, but he's, he's out. So when Elisha arrives, the child was indeed dead, probably with bruises on his face now. <clears throat> and he's lying there on the prophet's bed. Watch, verse 33. And so, this is huge here. He goes in alone and shuts the door behind him, and he prayed to the Lord. Man, there ain't no better ingredients of this whole story. Gets alone. Now imagine this, okay? Who was with him? Okay, yeah, God, okay, sorry. That's too spiritual of an answer. I have a question. Who was physically with him? Who is physically with him that said she would never leave him? His mother. Where is he at? He's in your room. Okay. And you can imagine, he's going up the stairs, and guess what's behind him? Mama. Any mom in here would not be there? I've had my son in ICU, and they've told us, like, only one of you can be in here. You want to see Lindsay go unhinged? Tell her she has to leave her baby boy. And he goes in, and he goes to close the door. Yet again, I can only imagine. He goes to close the door, and she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know that's my baby boy. You know that's my only baby boy. I'm in here. And I can imagine he goes, no, you're not. I don't know if I'm going to lose this room or not, but you ain't coming in here. You said this is my room. Get out of my room. Shuts the door. So watch this. Watch this for the moment. Don't miss this because I think this is the hugest part. The woman who didn't ask for the boy, who received a word from the Lord that she was going to have a boy, birthed a boy, raised the boy, held the boy, lost the boy, is now being told, Ain't nothing you can do. Stand outside. Some of you actually probably know what this is like if you've lost a loved one. Because you feel helpless. So my question is, how much faith does it take to stand behind a closed door and just trust that God is taking care of the situation? See, because some of us want to get in the room and go do CPR with Elisha. I'll help you. We'll resuscitate this with you. We got this. We got this. And God goes, can you just please go sit down? I've got this. And Elisha steps into the room, and he closes the door behind him. Are some of you in here on the other side of a closed door right now, and you're just waiting on the Lord? Or are you banging on the door? What are you doing? 
Why is it taking so long? We don't know how long it took. We don't know if it was a couple minutes. We don't know if it was a couple hours. All I know is probably every minute felt like hours. And some of you know exactly what that's like right now. You're walking through a situation right now with a lost loved one or a lost child. Or maybe you've walked through some grief or some pain right now. Or maybe you've lost a job or maybe you've lost something. And you don't know what else you can do. You've done all you can do. And you're on the other side of the door. God's not speaking to you. And you're like, what the heck? And God in this moment is doing something that you don't even realize. Listen to me closely. While you're waiting, God's always working. And just because you see it doesn't mean it ain't happening. Which leads to last, my last point, and then we're done. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up here. Number six, death never has the final word with God. Verse 34, he goes on and he says this. Read with me all the way to the end. So then watch this. So he goes into the room, he closes the door. And the Bible says he just starts praying. I mean, this is a prophet. This is a prophet. He should know what's about to happen. But we know from the verse before, he didn't even know this was gonna happen. And so he just does, guess what? What you and I do. Pacing and praying. Pacing and praying. Come on, y'all got any pacers and prayers in here? I am a pacer and prayer all the time. I'm a pacer prayer. That's what I am. Every time, I can't pray sitting down. I always got to pace and pray, pace and pray. The Bible says he gets up and he's just walking around. He, he paces and prays and he paces and prays and he paces and prays and he paces and prays. And eventually, this idea comes to him. Okay, what do I do? So he then lays on the child's body. He places his eye on the child's, uh, the mouth on the child's mouth. Eye on the child's eye. Hands on the child's hands, and as he stretched, there it is, stretches out. The child's body began to grow warm again. Watch the next verse. Didn't say the body came alive. They said it just got a little warm. And it maybe could have been warm because his body was on his body. <laughs> but all of a sudden, he's sitting Maybe something's happening here. And watch what he does. And Elisha gets up. He walks back and forth again. What do you think he's doing? God, 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 I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I can't do this alone. God, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this room. I didn't ask for this word. I didn't ask for any of this, this woman. I didn't ask for any of these situations. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And the Bible says he goes again. He crosses the room once again. He stretches himself out again on the child, and this time, the boy sneezes seven times. I don't get it, I don't know. I know seven's the number of completions. And then he opens his eyes. And watch, and it says, and then Elisha summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother. Okay, let her in now, let her in. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, Take your son. She fell at his feet. She bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. And then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. So here's where this story 
connects with us, and here's where this story gets hard for us. You're like, well, that's awesome, Pastor Josh. I mean, he had a resurrection. You said death never has a final word with God. Yes, it's true. Death never does have a final word with God. But how many know sometimes people still die? How many know marriages still die? People still die. Opportunities still die. Like, how do you say death never has the final word? Well, because ultimately, though, when we die, how many know we still live? We still live. And I want you to think about this because everything that's in an Old Testament, by the way, the Old Testament is concealed and the New Testament is revealed. Meaning everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. So this story of Elisha is really a story of Jesus. That Jesus starts things. Jesus promises things that there is a real enemy he destroys and takes things away but we have a Jesus who stretched out himself by the way last weekend we celebrated this stretch out himself so imagine from the father's vantage point when he looked down from into the upper room, he did not see the boy, he saw Elisha over the boy, and because he saw Elisha over the boy and the faith of Elisha to go, I didn't ask for this, but God, I'm gonna do what you tell me to do, his faith is transferred and life comes again into him. And when Jesus looked down from heaven on a cross, he sees a man, his son, his beloved son, stretched out on a cross, and the Bible says that when you put your life in Christ, it is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And so when he looks at you, he doesn't see death. He sees life. He sees life. He doesn't look at you and see sin. He sees Jesus. That's the good news of this story. Death never has a final word because when we're in Christ, we are alive in Christ. Even if our body fails us, even if relationships fail us, even if our job fails us, even if a marriage fails us, even if we have loved ones that are passed away, if we're in Christ, we will never die. Death never has a final word. The cross was to say, death has been conquered. Shame has been conquered. Evil has been conquered. Those who are in Christ are new creations. This is what God sees. When he looks down from heaven, he sees his son stretched out on a cross, it's died for you and for I. This is the God that we serve. So here's my question. I'm gonna close with this. If you've said in your life, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. Could it be though that even though you didn't ask for this, God wants you to tell the story of his faithfulness? You didn't ask for it. But here's my question. But what story will you tell? Will you get hung up on the fact that you didn't ask for it? 
Are you, will, will you declare that even in the midst of the fact that I didn't ask for it, God was with me, God was for me, God was faithful, God has walked me through devastation, he's walked me through despair, he's walked me through discomfort, he's walked me through depression, and yo, I didn't get what I wanted all the time, but God is a resurrecting God. He can resurrect marriages, he can resurrect life, he can resurrect places. If he did it then, he can do it again. If he did it then, he can do it again. And I don't know if there's anybody in here in this room, but there is something in your life that has died and you go, I don't even wanna ask for it again because man, I don't wanna get disappointed again. Maybe today is a word from the Lord to say, let's believe again. Let's trust again, let's hope again. And you know what, whether it comes through or not, does not negate the fact of how faithful God is. Because how many know, even when it doesn't go according to your plan, God's always got a plan. And listen, I'm not saying that this is easy. Devastation is so distressful. It's so hard to walk through. But you can be devastated and hopeful in the same place. And some of you have been so focused on the devastation that you have forgot to cling back to hope again. Hope again. So I want to do this. I want to pray for all of us in this room. If you're here in this room right now or if you're online and you're just walking through a season right now, maybe of devastation, maybe you're walking through a season of depression or a season where you've just been disappointed and go, man, I, I, I just, I, I need God. I need to cling to him again. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands all across this room. If that's you, lift your hands all across this room. That's me. That's me. That's me. Father, right now in this place, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to resurrect hope in this house. Resurrect hope in this house for us to trust again, believe again, hope again, love again, cling to you. When we don't know what, we cling to who? When we don't know why, we cling to you. God, you are the fixer. You are the solver. You are Lord, you are sovereign. So we bring our pains to you. We bring our disappointments to you. God, in the stretch right now, we thank you, God, that, that nothing you have given us, you have not given us the power to handle it. You haven't given us the power to walk through it. You haven't given us the power to believe that you are working even in the midst of the hardships and the pains and the, and the turmoil and, the, and, the, and all of the agony that we feel that we're walking through right now. Lord, let us not get our eyes off of you. May us not go to other people who can't solve the problem, but may we run to you in all that we do. God, we didn't ask for this, but you loved us enough to give it to us. You loved us enough to, to supply the grace that we need to walk through this. And so God, we're gonna tell a different story today. We're gonna tell a different story. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, we were devastated. Yeah, it was disappointing, but my God is faithful. My God is good. Death never has the final word. God, we put our hope, we put our trust in you. God, I pray, Lord, right now that you would just begin to build hope in this place again. God, begin to encourage your people yet again. God, Lord, we trust you and we love you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,